What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Arrive and Drive. I'm Jordan Missig, back with Zach Buchanan and Evan Stommer and Jed Perkins back in the house. So we almost got a full house tonight, boys. How are we all doing? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? I'm zonked. Doing good. I just want to sleep. Yeah, Zach, you've been uh, you've been going on uh, I would say going on fumes this whole past weekend after uh, doing a whole video project. Is that correct? Throughout the whole entire weekend, dude. Okay, so I was up till five thirty a.m. Friday morning, and I went to sleep for a little bit, and then I went into the office at Margay. I think I got up about probably ten thirty because I slept through all my alarms, and then uh, I think between Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, I slept a total of fifteen hours. And that's just because I had to get my homework done because uh, we raced Saturday and then we raced Sunday. And you were there Saturday. And that's pretty dope. That was the first time we raced against each other in a few years. At least. I mean, what was the last time? It was what? Brickyard 2019, I think? Probably. Uh, Yeah, because I don't think you ran Challenge uh, 2019. So, yeah, that was. No, I only did like two races in Challenge in 2019. But, yeah, that would have been the first time in over two years then if that's the case. But yeah, I made the trip down to St. Louis. Uh, definitely had an off weekend, so I wanted to go down there and race some go-karts for you guys, obviously, because it was Gateway's first weekend uh, to start off their club season. But uh, along the way, we had not only our racing, but we had a lot of racing that happened in all four of the major series in F1. We had them on Australia, which Charles Leclerc won the race out there in Australia. NASCAR was racing out at Martinsville. William Byron took the win there. Uh, IMSA was out at Long Beach and IndyCar was there as well. So Chip Ganassi, 0-1 car with Ranger Van Der Zander and Sebastian Bourdais won the IMSA race. And then we had Joseph Newgarden win a thriller in uh, the end of the IndyCar race at uh, Long Beach. So that was a good finish, having uh, Newgarden, Grosjean, and uh, Pelot all battling for the win with like 20 laps to go. Yeah, that, I was watching that on Peacock. Uh, we were just finishing up Super Comp uh, at Gateway. And yeah, that was a pretty interesting race it was pretty uh kind of slow starting uh first like half the race two-thirds of the race and it really picked up towards the end and i think it was a pretty epic pretty classic long beach uh battle dude honestly i think that was probably one of like the best indycar races i've seen in a long time because you had like the first half of the race where it was good hard racing lots of green flag laps and then everything just kind of started to unfold and i don't know it was pretty entertaining for my part yeah, and then we had, uh, obviously, towards the end, you had the different compounds with uh, Roman Grosjean going on the red tires uh, towards the end, really trying to make all positions. And then Pelot had some push to pass as well, left in the tank to try to make some moves happen. But all in all, I think the whole entire race was pretty action-packed. A lot of drivers make mistakes, which we'll get into later in the show. But uh, I think definitely with Long Beach being the street circuit adds a lot of value to what it's capable of on the calendar. I'd say you put it, I would say, behind, if anything – the Indianapolis 500 as the second or third biggest race on the calendar for sure. Yeah, I think it falls as so. I think it falls as the, one of the top races. Um, although to be honest, in the past years it's kind of been a snoozer. Like I've I've viewed St. Pete. I know I'm a little biased, but I've viewed St. Pete as always being the better race. But no, nah, this year it definitely lived up to the uh, to the expectations for sure. So, so not only were me and Zach racing this weekend, uh, Evan Stommer was out doing a little bit of coaching out at Ozarks this past weekend. You want to tell us how that went? Yeah, I was uh, coaching and co-driving for uh, one of my longtime uh, friends and 
kids that I've coached, Corbin Collins. I started off coaching him about three years ago in uh, Go-Karts at Gateway. And they recently just moved up to cars, and uh, he owns an MX-5 now, spec MX-5. And he was out in the Ozarks and gave me a call and said, hey, why don't you just come down here and co-drive for this four- and three-hour race on Saturday and Sunday. So I said, heck, yeah. And um, let me tell you, that track is awesome. If anyone says it's overhyped, it's not. It's underhyped. I mean, it's an amazing track. It's such a driver's track. I mean, I think you could be in an underperforming car there and – and if you got the rhythm down there, it's it'll be you'll be up top for sure. So it's just one of those places. So I think it's a it's going to be uh, really special in the future. I know definitely for sure because I got a race there later this year with the uh, Super Trofeo Series. We go there the same weekend as SRO is going to be there. So that's one of the racetracks I'm looking forward to. It's our second race on the calendar, so be my first race in the Super Trofeo Series for this year. So. I'm really looking forward to that as well. But not only that, were you co-driving and coaching, but you also now, I think, are a track record holder at that track. Yeah, technically. <laughs> I, That's uh, pretty dope. That is, that is cool. Dope. Yeah, technically I'm the first winner, and I got the track record right now. So, um, Well, track record in the MX-5. So I think there's one other guy in like a, in like a super decked-out Lotus that, that went like a, a 239. And I did a 250 flat. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it holds up. <laughs> but so, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so we're going to have a lot of people going to try to be going for Evan Stommer's record uh, in the MX-5 Cup. So, you know who the guy you're going to have to go beat. He's right here. So, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, let's go ahead and talk with uh, dumb things to do on the racetrack. We'll start off. We'll briefly talk about this because this was some interesting dumb things that happened over the past weekend. So, Sebastian Vettel gets fined. I, I don't, I think it was like over two grand or something like that for after FP one, his engine dies on the racetrack. And then he grabs a scooter from one of the uh, marshals and rides the scooter all the way back around into the pits. And the FAA gives him a ban, uh, I would say a fine for riding his scooter around the racetrack. Uh, yeah, that, that, you could almost put that in send it in, or pull the reins also. Cause that's, I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, pretty stupid. I mean, that just goes to speak though, how like the FIA was that weekend because they were, they were cutting down on jewelry, wall racing and underwear. True. You couldn't have no, you couldn't have uh, non-fireproof underwear on. So now, now that's interesting because you know, I get it's flame retarded and everything like that. And you don't want to have any clothing that can potentially catch you on fire and everything. But the fact of the matter is there, there's like two or like there's at least a layer or two layers of clothing with the fire suit and the Nomex that the drivers have to wear before you actually get to the fabric of clothing that could potentially catch on fire and be next to your skin. So unless your roadmate grows on in the middle of yeah, a, that's what I was gonna say. the middle of a car fire. I don't really – if Grosjean didn't really get burned, if he only got burned in his hand, I doubt any other type of clothing that a driver is going to be wearing is going to catch on fire. Yeah, I feel like if, if yeah. it gets – if the fires get into your underwear in the first place, you probably got bigger issues. So it's like, come on. You know, if it's getting through the street, <laughs> you're probably a little more screwed. I don't know. That's true. Uh, 
I get I I I guess I kind of get the the rule I guess you know like in in the event of a Grosjean situation because I know it sounds like super like radical and extreme but I guess like if it if it has happened before it probably can't happen again so I get it 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 seems silly at the surface but I mean at the end of the day they're probably just trying to cover their tails yeah I get it's a safety aspect of it all but you know at some point in time I feel like a common sense thing comes into play and you know i get it's all safety but at this point you know it's happened for so long nothing's really unless like a really big someone got burned because their underwear actually did catch on fire then i could see the issue of make putting that statement out there that people need that can't wear underwear underneath their fireproof protection gear but unless that happens i don't really see a problem with them obviously so um, the next one I had was going to be that Sam Mayer took out Noah Gregson and the rest of the field in the Xfinity race with about the second to last restart, creating a car park over in turn one. So that was the only other thing that I had for dumb things to do on the racetrack. But we'll get into a more, I should say, serious topic of ours with Ben Axels and Broken Hearts. Zach, we were yes. racing each other down a gateway. Yeah, so uh, Jordan kind of texted me, said, "Hey, dude, I think I'm gonna come down and race Gateway," and I was like, "Hey, let's go, ignite, uh, ignite doubleheader." Actually, to start the season, we had a doubleheader on Saturday. We had a super comp doubleheader on Sunday. Uh, Jordan didn't stay for that one because he had some driver coaching to go do. Uh, but Jordan came down uh, Saturday. We had almost 30 carts in Ignite Senior. Uh, we had 29. And, uh, well, Jordan's cart basically exploded. <laughs> tell, tell everybody what happened. So, I mean, we started off – I started off actually pretty decent. I was, what, P11 at the end of first practice. And yep. for not being on the track in about two years actually made me feel pretty good. I was going to get back in the swing of things and get acclimated to the track pretty quickly. But after that, the cart just started to go downhill from there. And I started kind of making – I made – for the first qualifying adjustment that went the wrong way, that was totally my fault. I knew I made a mistake on that, but went back the other way for the race. The cart started handling a little bit better, but I just didn't have any raw speed. And I was just getting killed coming out of some of the corners. It just had no top end, it felt like. So as the day runs on, the cart just progressively keeps getting worse and worse. And I'm literally thrashing at this car. Like, I don't think until the first race ended, I actually went to go talk to Zach. Or anybody, because I was literally, as soon as I got off the track, back in the pits, just working on my cart until the next session started. So, literally thrashing on my cart the entire weekend. And ultimately, we get towards the end of the weekend, or the end of the race, and my front bumper starts to come loose. And the both one of the wheel clippings came off, and as that happens, my front bumper starts to drag. And as we go down into the hard 90, which is the last corner before the start finish line, I try to make a pass. I think it was on Blake Galloway on the outside. My front bumper just digs into the racetrack and I lose all front end steering. And my cart basically just goes straight off and into the barriers on the left-hand side. So just scrape up against it. It didn't really go hard. I was actually able to continue on rolling, but definitely broke an axle. And broke a broke a left rear rim as well. So Jeez. the cart just the race just wasn't going my way. And to top it all off, we ended up putting the cart in the wall to end the whole weekend, the race. So had to bring the cart back home on a bent axle and a broken heart. <laughs> I had a similar thing happen at Indianapolis in 2019. Uh, so like the turn two, 
or what was turn two, it was kind of like a weird, it wasn't a hairpin, but it was like a sharp corner where you, it's a right-hander, but you kind of come back to the left. Evan, you probably know what I'm talking about, uh, where like if you straight line the grass, that's actually faster. So everybody's just going off in the grass in turn two. Or, you you know, at least getting like two tires off or whatever. And uh, basically by the end of the weekend, the, the ground had been completely flattened, like it completely lowered uh, noticeably. And I go off and uh, just, you know, running the the sauce line, I guess. And uh, my nose digs into that where the step up from the grass to the asphalt and just rips a hole open in my nose and basically became a skid plate. So for about a lap and a half, I'm just driving around and every corner I went into uh, especially the high speed corners, the cart like was full lock and just going straight. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so basically, I was just hanging on, and uh, it finally rubbed away all the plastic. And then it was basically just a parachute because there's a big gaping hole in the nose. And I think I finished like 34th or something because it created so much drag out of like probably still, 62. Probably still ahead of action. Never mind. Never mind. Now you're, you were going to say it. What were you going to say? <laughs> Who are you going to throw it under the bus? No, no. Jordan, Jordan can bleep it out. Yeah, I can bleep it out. Go right ahead. Say what you want. Um, say, Speak your mind, Evan. Probably still finished ahead of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, hey. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't use the pronoun because it's going to give it away. Uh, that person did beat me. Oh, Dang! By Zach. like two spots. Hey, it was by like <laughs> two spots. Uh, I would have, I would have been like twentieth or something, but I got like thirty fourth. So, yeah. Sucks. But hey, double podium on Saturday. Also, that was pretty cool. Yeah, Zach was able to get what a third and a second, yeah, just one spot away from winning. And Trevor Egermeyer, you know, I guess we want to get on the show, but is always yeah. too busy for us. You know, he never has time for us all. Um. Won both races, so congrats to him. And uh, Zach was able to come away with a second and third to start off his uh, Ignite season. I got kind of lucky, though, because uh, uh, Nick and Eric took each other out uh, running second. And, or no, they were leading the they race. Were they were the top lead, two. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I got the second. And actually, my engine started coughing, like coming out of corners. It was sputtering. I found out I was having a fuel pickup issue. Uh, yeah, I was, I was like, dude, if my engine cuts out while I'm running second, I'd be like, that would like totally be a me thing to happen. But <laughs> thankfully it held up and we came home P2 and got to celebrate a little bit. All right, Jordan, let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Anchor. Yes, absolutely. If you haven't heard already, Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast all from one place on your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and much, much more. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, save time and focus on what you love. Hi, baby. So- so with that being said, let's get into our main topics of this show and all the big news that happened over the past weekend. Because there's a lot. We got a lot of we got some beef that happened as well as 
we have some drama that happened over the past weekend. So we'll start off with the Xfinity Series out at Martinsville with Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer's incident that happened on the last uh, lap of the race, where, for those of you who don't know, there was a Dash for Cash race. So um, Ty Gibbs was on the lead. Sam Mayer was batting with AJ Allmendinger. And as they went into turn three for the final time, Sam Mayer kind of I'll try to outbreak Almond. Uh, I think it was actually Ross Chastain who was on the inside. Uh, try to outbreak Castle. Ross. Ch- Thank you. It was Landa Castle. So try to outbreak Landa yeah. Castle on the outside and try to roll the center. But Ty Gibbs was kind of in his way. So Sam basically just gave the bumper to the back of Ty Gibbs and kind of shoved him out of the racetrack and then used him to basically bulldoze his way through and help the car get rotated in the middle of the corner. And. Uh, Ty Gibbs did not like it at the end, let's just say that. He actually ended up falling back to 10th, but had a lot of emotion that was transpired at the end of the race. So send it or pull the reins. Ty Gibbs needs to chill out after his emotional finish with Sam Mayer at the end of the Xfinity race. Zach, I'll start with you. So I want to say I've kind of been a Ty Gibbs advocate on the show just because he always gets hate for just being Joe Gibbs' grandson. Yeah. And he's really talented and he clearly deserves that ride. However, uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, probably send it on this one just because, um, his, his reaction was kind of, kind of uncalled for. I think first off, if you're going to throw punches. You got to have your helmet off. Like, uh, Sam Mayer had his helmet off. Ty Gibbs didn't kind of a chicken move to go, you know, throw punches like that. Um, yeah, I mean, he got moved out of the way. He he was Ty Gibbs wasn't going to win the race, and at this point, wins are kind of what matter. And yeah, I get you're mad. You were probably pretty. He was probably pretty mad anyways that he didn't win. But you know, to to go throw punches for somebody moving you out of the way, I was like, you know, I get it. Those guys do have a history. For for what it's worth, it is worth noting that those guys do kind of have a history. They don't like each other at all. So I mean, it's not really a surprise, but kind of uncalled for, I think. Jed, let's go to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with Zach. I mean, if you're going to – I get that he's heated, and honestly, you know, he, he threw a nice jab, but if you're going to go confront a guy and then let alone hit him, <laughs> take the helmet off. Like, I'm telling you right now, a <laughs> yeah. lot of the fans in the stands were not happy with that because it looks so soft, so soft. Like, that's that's not cool. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna go, If you're going to go hit someone, let alone push him, I don't care what you do, you got to have your helmet off. And that's on all levels of racing. So, Evan? Yeah, I'm going to say I didn't personally see it. I'm going to go back and look at it here soon. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, that was a good fight. Actually, no, I'm not even going to say that was a good fight. That was a, that was a weak fight at Gateway in the trucks a couple years ago. And, uh, they both had their helmets on and they were wrestling to the ground. That was better than what I saw with Ty Gibbs with his helmet on. So, say so don't be a little pansy. Take your helmet off. Even though the first thing that Greg Dingus taught me in go karting was always keep your helmet on at the scales until you get back to your pits. Really? So, he taught me. Yeah, you just never know. Someone's gonna come out just behind like, you. That motion or just like. Because if someone comes at me, I'm probably going to take the helmet off to, like, yell or not yell. No, yeah, yeah. But you're saying, no, regardless, just, like, just keep the helmet on because, like, it's it's like you can be low-key. You don't know how this. 
Well, that's what Greg. That's what Greg taught me. He said, "You don't know when somebody's gonna come up behind you and take a jab." I mean, you could, for example, look at what happened at the. Uh, it was that European karting event that happened a couple. Of, I would say last year when the one guy threw the bumper at the one guy on the racetrack, and then in the scale house, he just comes over and just spears the guy into like a the fence. Yeah. So well, speaking of European car- speaking that, of that European was a kid, karting, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, what were you saying? Speaking of European car, we should have had a new bozo. We should have done a different kid. Oh, God. That that Russian kid. Dude. Uh, Yeah. But we won't go into that. Yeah, that that has the the potential to get political. But that that kid is apparently being investigated by the FIA now. So that's that's great. He did post an apology video earlier today, but... And I he's, don't know he's if he wiping away his, his fake tears. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, that was, problem, a, that was a real... Yeah, the, the I mean, problem that is was real that more sincere, he's, he he's was, like, mumbling he all like, of his language, like, the words. For us here in the States, it's so hard to understand what he was actually saying. But I guess in European terms, they can actually hear and understand the accent. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's hard, so hard to judge. Um, but my take on the Ty Gibbs and... Sam Mayer incident is Ty Gibbs has how many times we there's been countless times where Ty Gibbs has ran to the back of somebody else to push him out of the way and go on to win a race. I mean, we even saw it with John Hunter Mincheck the week before at Richmond. He did the exact same. He just kind of doored him out of the way, but he's done it multiple other times to other drivers to go on to good wins. And the one time it's not bound for a win, but the one time someone does it to him, he gets all fired up and emotional about it. I kind of see a little bit of a Kyle Busch and a Denny Hamlin involved in him. It's like if they had a kid, Ty Gibbs is the kid. So that's fair. I think, you know, don't get me wrong. The dude's a hell of a race car driver and could wheel anything, but he's only 18 years old. I give him that benefit of the doubt. But if you're going to race in the top echelons of motorsports, like the Xfinity series where the cameras are on you and everything, you need to have your shit together and have it all in check because that's what people are looking at, and that's how people are going to judge you. So in this case, send it. He needs a chill pill, and he needs yeah. it fast, whether it's a talk from his grandfather and Joe Gibbs or bring some of the cup drivers down saying, if you ever want to race in cup, you need to stop acting that way. He needs to go pray some more. Yeah. Do I remember I remember like after Arca races, he'd be crying because he finished like third or something. Like, dude, just come on. Like. It's not that deep. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. Like, if he did what he did, but took his helmet off, put it on the roof of his car, and then went over, his fan base would have doubled. Because they, oh, yeah, they, would, sure. have loved, the- they would have loved to see him like a young kid, like throwing punches. Like, that's what the fans want to see at the end of the day, you know? And he did gain notoriety, but he looked soft doing it. So There's a difference between good publicity and bad publicity. This is definitely a bad publicity job on Ty Gibbs. And the fact he actually punched Sam twice, I think, because as soon as Sam Mayer took his helmet off, like he had the fact that Sam Mayer had both of his hands on his helmet to take his helmet off, Ty Gibbs decided to take a shot at him. Which obviously, you know, it's a clear open shot to the face, but it's I in my book, it's a cheap shot. You know, the guy's defenseless. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think I think there's it doesn't get said enough that Ty Gibbs kinda has a composure issue. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's go back and you can go watch YouTube videos or whatever or even interviews or look at tweets like it's, when it's in the moment. Sometimes he's not the best at making decisions that are that are right for him. 
certainly a composure issue. And there's no doubt that he has talent, uh, but definitely people, certain people aren't fans of the way he composes himself and, uh, you know, conveys himself to, to the public. I mean, go ahead, Evan. Well, no, if you had another, I was going to say that brings us into how Colton Herda, Herda has composure issues too, but you can finish oh, yeah. what you were saying. Yeah, Colton has composure issues too, but Colton can at least manage it, and they're not against like a certain driver. If anything, it's mainly no, it's, against it's himself. Against, it's against himself in the car, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but that's that's just him beating himself up, but that's after like he makes a mistake, which is generally his own fault, which that's understandably so. You can be mad about yourself if you make a stupid mistake like he did in Nashville and like we're going to talk about here at Long Beach. I mean, I mean, like he has like he needs like calm down when he's in like high pressure situations. I think, I think yeah. he just makes too many mistakes. Yeah, under pressure. And I think that also comes with time too. You know, that comes with maturity, time. I mean, get, don't get me wrong. Colton Hurdle is only like what twenty two, something yeah. like that. Twenty two, I think. So I mean, he's still got. Pl- don't get me wrong, this is his fourth year in IndyCar, but he's still at a very young age for an IndyCar driver. Like, there are guys who are still, like myself, who are like 24 and not even in IndyCar yet. So, for him to be at 22 and having these composure issues, yeah, it's growing pains. It's going to happen. It happens a lot with young drivers. But as they grow older and when he gets to like 26 and 27 years old, I feel like those are the when the composure issues are going to tend to start to go away and he's going to mature a little bit behind the wheel. For sure. No, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, like Jordan said, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, while we're still on the topic of NASCAR, though, uh, and short tracks, especially Martinsville, uh, send it or pull the reins. Is there a driver etiquette problem in NASCAR, especially on short tracks? Uh, let's go around the room. Evan, I'm going to start with you. What are, I mean, what are they doing on short tracks? I don't really know, like. What do you mean, driver etiquette? <laughs> that's that's the point. Like NASCAR, like for example, Xfinity, they had a parking lot on a restart because, like, well, why not? Uh, the, for example, the truck race last fall, uh, I think it was Stuart Friesen, uh, left hooked, um, or what? No, was it Todd Gillen left hooked Stuart Friesen head on in the outside wall because I don't know. Uh, like, I think, I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think, I mean, yeah, they could follow more into like formula one footsteps where they like, Hey, if you blatantly take someone out, like your ass is going to get fined. Like, yeah, I think there is a little bit too, too many times where I've seen people just blatantly push people out of the way. I mean. I mean, they wreck each other for the win all the time, and it's. I think it's a little bit like, okay, well, you just, you just f- crash me for the win. Like, what else am I supposed to do? If I'm leading, I'm just gonna get wrecked. So, yeah, I think they should do something about that. Uh, pass it to you, Jed. Which which thing? Yeah, I'm right there with Evan. Like, if you do something deliberate, like intentionally wreck a guy. I mean, it kind of comes down to the situation, but I think there's definitely got to be some sort of system to hold people liable. But then again, at the same time, it is short track racing. It is NASCAR. Like, that is what people buy the ticket for. They want to see that, you know, because let's be honest, like, if they're they're racing super clean around Martinsville, like, are you really going to tune in? You know, it's kind of boring. That's true. So, I mean, there's, there's give and take with that situation. Kind of just 
That's fair. Comes to whatever the situation is, I guess. But yeah, I, I think they got to clean it up a tiny bit. Okay. Uh, pass to you, Jordan. What do you think? I think we're getting to a point to where there needs to be a line drawn. And if you cross that line, you've gone too far, obviously. You know, we've gone to now where people can just blatantly push someone out of the way, put them in the wall, and nothing happens to them. I think we get to the point to where if you intentionally like or blatantly, if it's obvious enough that you get into someone and you ruin their race or take them out, then I feel like there's going to be consequences that need to be paid. And I think they need to be more severe than what we see. You know, we just see the consequences are, oh, the old driver's just going to come after you or make your next couple races a living hell if you're going to race next to them or side by side with them. I think we need to see more, you know, I would say penalties given, maybe grid, grid spot penalties or, you know, finished position penalties that need to be given at the end of this whole thing, especially if they wreck someone else. But we're very loose on the leash, I should say. And the leash just needs to kind of be pulled in a little bit. So I'm going to say send it on this one because there just needs to be more accountability, especially when it comes to short tracks. There needs to be more accountability. Like you look at the Cup Series, they race very clean. They race each other respectfully unless it's 10 laps to go. That whole Xfinity race lasted longer than the Cup race, and it's a shorter distance race. Like, I got back to the hotel in down St. Louis, and it was 10 o'clock. Martinsville's in Virginia. They're an hour ahead in the Eastern Coaster time. That race didn't get over until 11 o'clock East Coast time for the Xfinity race. And granted, they had, what, a 30-minute rain delay to start the race? But to go until, like, the 11 o'clock hour for an Xfinity race is uncalled for, in my opinion. For sure. No, I'm going to completely agree with everybody here. I'm going to say send it. Look – 2011 Martinsville Cup race in the fall. Brian Vickers caused five cautions. And everybody, there's literally not a single person that thought that was acceptable. Yeah. Okay. That kind of stuff. And it was like, a lot of it was him trying to take out Matt Kenseth because they were pissed at each other. Uh, That was not normal back then. Like, he got parked. He legitimately got parked. That's what I mean. He got paid the, he paid the price for it all. Right. Uh, You see that now and it's encouraged not only by NASCAR, but by the media. Because, you know, like NASCAR, when it was when it was most popular, had better etiquette than what it does now. You know, like people, they could sell tickets, they could get people to watch on TV, and they didn't need the sh**. The, the, the stuff that goes on in NASCAR now is ridiculous. There's no reason that, you know, we go to a short track, and yeah, it, like, like Jed and Evan said, it is a short track. But I, I don't tune into a race to watch cars wreck. I don't want to yeah. see half the field wreck because that's what sells tickets. And quite honestly, it's not. If the racing is good enough, it will sell tickets. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of what NASCAR has become in terms of it's just completely acceptable to, to dump somebody if you feel like it. Um, like you could go back and watch races from the 90s and the 2000s where, yeah, they'll bump and bump and run each other. They'll nudge each other out of the way, but they give each other a chance. Because, you know, if you, if you bump somebody, you're going to get bumped back. But even when guys retaliated on each other, it wasn't like they would body slam each other. It, it, was, pretty, it was pretty respectful. Like, you know, you could go back to even Coda uh, just a couple weeks ago, you know, with Ross Chastain and uh, A.J. Allmendinger. You know, A.J. bumps Ross for the lead. Ross comes back and punts A.J. And it's like, yeah, he took the lead back. 
But AJ also ended up in the sand and finished like 33rd. Yeah. So I don't think the the retaliation fit the crime. You know what I mean? So I yeah, it's certainly a problem now. Uh, it's kind of like that Bowman Gray mentality. You know, yeah. Bowman Gray's like become so popular as a short track, and it's because of stuff like that. And NASCAR has tried to bottle it up, and I really I think it's since. They came out with that boys have at it thing. Um, Jordan, you probably might remember that. I don't. Jed and Evan might be too young to remember that, but like 2010, <laughs> they had this thing where it was like boys have at it, and it was like so stupid because it was like they're trying to generate hype, I guess. Yeah. You know, to rivalries and everything, and it just it, it is perpetually gotten out of hand year by year, and now here we are. See, like I think I get to the point to where. I feel like there needs to be grid spot penalties going into the next race. If you take someone out, like for instance, I can understand if there's a racing incident, no action is taken or no penalties are given. But if it's like, let's say for instance, I'm going to use Ty Gibbs for another example, back in Las Vegas, when he took out Ryan Sieg, Ryan Sieg obviously was pissed because, you know, Ty Gibbs ruined his race, but it was also on lap four, you know, Ty Gibbs doesn't know any better that air bubble gets the car loose, but you know, unless there's a penalty to be paid for, he's, I don't think, going to learn his lesson in that. And I feel like, especially at the younger levels or lower levels, if you're promoting people to get wrecked and they can get away with it, then they think they can do that the whole rest of the way, all the way up the ladder. But if I think, I think if you start off with giving them consequences and showing them that, hey, if you're going to do this, you're going to pay a penalty for it. It's definitely going to give everyone another mindset and allowing them to race a little bit cleaner to the fact that we're not going to have so many wrecked race cars at the end of all these races, and we're not going to have so many tempers flaring, but there will be at least justification for the penalties that are given and the wrecks that are being caused. And it doesn't need to be some sort of big excessive penalty. No. It's like, you know, if somebody does something really stupid, okay, you park them. If, yeah. if they just spin somebody out and it looks really egregious or blatant, you know, give them a one lap hold or end the longest line or whatever it is. Like just something like that. You prevent the dumb stuff, you know, like, you know, if, if two guys run side by side for 20 laps and they spin because, you know, one of them got impatient with the other, I think that's just part of it. But if, if one guy decides, yeah, I'm just going to dump this guy for 15th place because I don't feel like racing him anymore. And uh, I feel like people kind of have a problem with that. There needs to there should be a gratification or a judgment call that goes into it. It just it has gotten out of hand, and it's just it's putting a bad look on the sport. And it's just an all short track racing we go to. Like we go to short tracks, we expect this to happen. Unfortunately, like you don't expect good racing. You're expecting wreck fest, people to be pushed out of the way, and door to door bumper to bumper wreck fests. Yeah. So. No, I, I I think that's that pretty much sums it up. Um. So. Still on the topic of Martinsville, send it or pull the reins. NASCAR does not need a night race at Martinsville. Jordan, I'm going to start with you this time. What do you think? I'm going to say pull the reins on this one because okay. I feel like a night race could be at, could still be granted and warranted. And I feel like the night race that we saw you know, this past weekend is fine. It's fine for Martinsville because it's in the middle of the beginning of the season. It gives a little bit of incentive to go to this race. And I feel like, you know, people want to buy a ticket to go to the Martinsville race only. So be it. Go to this race. It's kind of like that incentive to go to the Bristol night race because it's Bristol at night. 
Now, as for the playoff race, I would prefer to see that race in the daytime. Okay. Uh, pass it to Jed. What you think? Senator, pull the reins. Do you think uh, Martinsville should have a night race? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know the argument behind this, but I'm going to always say a short, short track NASCAR race is better under the lights. So that's my take on it. Okay. Jed's pull the reins. Jordan's pull the reins. Evan, what you think? Listen, um, I'm going to say on these short tracks, I think, I think we need to go back to dirt racing. <laughs> I think we need, I think we need like some, um, oh shoot, what the outlaws, I, the, whatever, what are the, that series called? The world of outlaws series. World, world of outlaws. outlaws. We need, like, I feel like if that had the height that NASCAR had and, like, that was actually visible, I feel like I'd rather watch that than any NASCAR race, in my opinion, other than, like, the Daytona 500. World of Outlaws is pretty hype. It is good. That's I mean, what I'm not, not many people watch it, but it, it's it's pretty good. I mean, World like of some... Outlaws on the dirt is actually phenomenal racing because you can work I... both grooves, low, low and high groove, and even sometimes the middle, and there's just slide jobs moves being made. But There's so means... many tactics, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a different style of racecrafting and race racing that, you know, only some can master. That's why you see Kyle Larson so good at what he could do in a stock car because he does everything on the dirt, translates to asphalt racing. That's very true. But Evan, so, I want to go to your point. You said we want more dirt races. We're going to Bristol Dirt next weekend, so you get your wish. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't even want – they need to go like – they need to put these pansy NASCAR drivers in <laughs> – and uh, and like a midget or like I, like a midget, yeah, that'd be perfect. And see yeah. see who has the real freaking chili pear, chili bowl, for example. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see real men there. So are you are you pull the reins then on uh, the night race? I pull the reins on NASCAR in general, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Um. So I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna say pull the reins with a little caveat in there. So I think the night race should stay. Uh, definitely, I, I I like it as the playoff race because it's been pretty entertaining. What I will say though is, it was I think, and I think the argument against this is, it was very cold last weekend, and Goodyear did not bring a very good tire, and they were not putting down rubber, and that's the argument why the racing was not good because they were not able to pass because they weren't laying down rubber. Uh, I guess apparently if you looked later in the race, I didn't watch the race because I was doing homework all night. But apparently if you uh, if you looked at the concrete later in the race, it there was like it wasn't there was no black. It was it looked like it was the same way it was at lap one. So uh, keeping that in mind, I think if they want the spring race to be a night race, maybe it should be in May to avoid you know because april like april is typically warm however you can never guarantee uh the midwest even the east coast you, you can never guarantee that it's going to be warm all the way sure. through april so if you if you want to do a you know a night race in the spring just do it in like may or something so yeah. uh but yeah pull the re- pull the reins we all agreed on that one uh circling back to indycar senator pull the reins jed i'm gonna start with you on this one Colton Herta isn't ready to be an IndyCar champion yet. Oh, damn, dude. I don't know. So we were talking about the whole uh, Long Beach fiasco, Nashville. What you think? I mean, 
this is tough because I kind of have two opinions on what his problem might be. Because as we all know, this isn't his first time he's done this exact same scenario. He did it at Nashville last year. Um, he did it Sunday. Um, I don't. I think. Oh, Texas also, 2019. Where was he? Texas. He uh, took out Scott Dixon. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, that's right. They were racing uh, for a podium spot, I think, and they took each yeah. other out. I think end of the day, you have to say, you know, this is a young kid. He obviously has insane talent, but he's definitely been folding under pressure. I think a little bit of it could be um, that low key he has that backdoor F1 ride kind of sitting on his shoulders right now with Andretti. Because, you know, if Andretti has a team, they're going to want an American driver. Who else would fit that seat besides Colton Herta? Um no one else on the team would really make sense. Nor really IndyCar. Um, you know, if there was a guy to go, I feel like it would be Herta because he's just ridiculously fast everywhere he goes. But then again, you know, you got to finish the race to to get your stats up, and he's not good at doing that. So I don't know. It's kind of a touchy situation. But if, I mean, if he kept it on track, I think he wins that race someday. And it's definitely another one that's going to bite him in the butt later on. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, Evan, going to toss it to you. Send it or pull the reins. Colton Hurd is not ready to be an IndyCar champion yet. I think pull the reins. I think he is ready. Okay. I think, I mean, listen, he makes mistakes, but, I mean, he gets it done in qualifying. He may have a little bit of uh, lack of uh, composure under pressure. Um, but I think, I think when he puts it all together, it's – pretty phenomenal like st pete last year basically swept the weekend um so i think it's just i mean what he did i think he just kind of at long beach he didn't really make a big mistake it was just a weird lock up like when he hit a bump he locked the tire up and he made the apex and everything just kind of went into the wall but it wasn't like Nashville where he kind of just he just sucks when he when he made that mistake. So I think he is ready. I don't know. That's my opinion on it. Okay. Kind of Jed weird. says he's not ready, right? And Evan says he I is. I think he's ready. like fifty percent ready. Fifty percent okay. not. So I'm in the middle. Okay. Jordan, toss I, it to I, you. I would even advocate to say I'm meeting the middle and I'd say he's seventy to seventy five percent ready. You know, he's just got to work on those fine, minor, little minor details towards the end. I, he's de- dude's definitely got the speed. He's got the consistency throughout the whole races. He's just got to, in those closing laps, be able to complete it. You know, he's with those like 10 laps to go or like getting towards the end of the race, he tends and he sees like that carrot in front of him that he's trying to chase down. He tends to just push it a little bit too hard. And that's when he finds himself in that mistake. Like we saw in Nashville, made the mistake of just going to the, the barriers. Now, this Long Beach incident, I wouldn't put total blame on him. I mean, yeah, it was all his fault. Don't get me wrong. But when he hit the brake pedal, the tire just immediately locked up on the right front. And every time that tire has locked, the tires have locked up going into that corner, drivers should either A, take the access road and run off and go on straight and basically have to do a whole U-turn. And every driver who's done that, like Tatiana Calderon, Scott Dixon, and I think uh, Pelot might have been one of them, Every driver who's did that was not able to do a U-turn to come back around and basically had to get AMR safety team to come out there, jet the car up, and pull it back at least to get them set up. So if that's the case, it's a local yellow and the race continues or full course caution comes out and his race is over. So I think out of 
you know, he goes into the corner, thinks he can make it, and knows he's in trouble, but is basically praying to God and hoping that the car is going to stick and bait the corner, just decided to go for it because he knew if he goes straight in the runoff, the race is over. So he's just got to fix up the minor details. The dude's actually able to win a race. Obviously, he won an Indy Lights title back in 2018, so the dude can win a championship. He's shown that. He's just got to put the season together and put it towards the end and be able to be there at the end of the race. Isn't that thought, crazy? Uh, he won an Indy Lights title at like 16, 17 years old. I thought to Askew be fair, no, Askew, well, Askew won 19 the year before. Oh, then it was a award. It was a award. That award won, was uh, an second. Eight. Was it award or was it her? No, award won like nine races and won the championship. I swear. I don't think Colton I thought it was cold. I thought it was cold. No, award won it. Anyway. Award won it. So award okay, so award did win it, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, like yeah, those... it was award by like okay. over fifty points. Okay. So but the fact of the matter is like Colton's been there, he knows what it's like to be in a championship battle. He's just gotta put it all together at the end and just finish the races basically when they matter the most. Like even just to, if you didn't win that race, instead of pushing hard to go for that win, coming home in second behind Newgarden is still pretty good points towards the championship battle. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, so I'm going to go – I'm going to – that's tough. This, this is tough. <laughs> I'm going to – okay, I'm going to be devil's advocate on this one. I'm going to say send it, but here's the thing. When I, when I see – some of the things Colton does, he's like, he's able to do certain things that most guys can't. Like he finds that little extra bit that a lot of guys can't. Sometimes yeah. it bites him in the butt. Cause it, I mean, when you're r- running on the edge all the time, you're bound to make a mistake. Uh, when, when I see some of the things that Colton's done, I almost think of like um, Alex Sinardi. Alex Sinardi, when he ran for Chip Ganassi and cart, uh, he made some mistakes, but dude won a lot of races and, you know, for the three years he ran for Ganassi, he won two championships before going to F1. Uh, so, you know, I the potential is certainly there. I, I just don't think he's there yet. But when, when he gets there, look out. Because, I mean, if he stays in IndyCar for the rest of his career, the potential to win multiple championships is clearly there. So, uh, moving on. This is the uh, final topic for Send It or Pull the Reins. Simon Pagano will get payback on Takuma Sato. So for those that didn't see it, uh, Sato and Pagano were side-by-side into the fountain corner at Long Beach. Pretty much anybody that's ever seen a race at Long Beach knows you pretty much can't go side-by-side through there. Uh, Pagano was upset at Sato because uh, Pagano ended up getting spun out and stuck in the garden. So, fellas, send it or pull the reins. Pagano is going to get revenge on Sato. Evan, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? I'm thinking about this too hard. Yeah, I don't. I I don't really think it's that deep. I think I think maybe they might have some bad blood, or he's more willing to make like a kind of like a ballsy move on him. But I don't think he's gonna blatantly like uh, go wheel to wheel contact and try to spin him or something like that. I think he's more likely just to dive it in every time on him and stuff like that. Be more aggressive. Which might end up leading to getting payback, but um, that's what I think. I think he's just going to be more likely to do that. I'll jump in here and I'll say 
that I think, well, Pagano simply said himself that he got sidled, you know, so basically put 100% blame on Sato that he basically ruined his race. None whatsoever. Didn't leave him room. What end of story. So I feel like I'm sended in this. I don't think it's done. And I feel like once we get to Barber on uh, about a couple weeks time, I feel like you will see if they're next to each other, uh, Pagano will definitely throw a dive bomb on the inside of uh, Sato and if, and, or just at least make him dip two wheels into the grass and at least throw him off the track at least one time, whether it's, he's on the inside, he pushes him wide at the exit of the curb, not knowing that he's there, or he simply just roughs him up and forces him off the track. I think you'll see one of those two when we get to Barber uh, two weeks time. I agree. Okay. Chad, I'm going to toss it to you. What you think? Yeah, I mean, I think in the moment, you know, race day, you're a bit heated. So I don't necessarily think this beef is going to continue on. Regardless, no one would have even known about it if it weren't for David Land down on the grid reporting after the race. It's not like any <laughs> had any follow-up or anything. Shout so, out to David Land. David David's Land. a go. Um, Big fan. Nicest guy. Yes. Yeah, I love that guy. We got to have him on the on the show. He's definitely, he can definitely go on. I've actually, I've gotten some good relationship with him and I'll probably end up seeing yeah. him at Barber Same. maybe if he's going. So we'll have it on the show at least one time. Uh, he's a pretty cool dude. Uh, I've interviewed him a couple times. Pretty nice guy. I read the uh, shirt. I read the shirt at that, uh, when I podiumed in Florida winter tour and he posted me on his YouTube. <laughs> I did see that dude. Yeah. That's, that's that was awesome. Yeah. Nah, but Thank back you. to the patch and Osato thing. I, I don't think that's going to continue on. I think Pagano's got a really good car under him this year, and he's a smart, experienced driver. You know Sato's going to drive like that regardless. So it's just one of those things you just kind of move on and just shrug at and try and get a good finish under your belt and forget it. I like what you said, Jed. He's, he's got a good car. Uh, why waste the time on something like that? Clearly, you know, Sato's kind of in the twilight of his career. And really, you know, I think if – if Pagano lets this become a greater problem going down the road, you know, maybe we could be looking at this these next couple of years are the twilight of his career, you know? Like, yeah. he didn't really have a good exit from Penske. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his last couple of years there were a little underwhelming. Uh, and Meyer Shank's a pretty good team. I mean, they won the Indy 500 last year. They had some good runs with Jack Harvey, too. So, clearly, I think that team can be pretty competitive. Elio finished in the top ten. Uh, when you look at that accident, you know, it, it kind of seemed like one of those 50-50 deals, like one of those guys could have backed out and neither of them did. And one of them crashed and one of them didn't. Uh, yeah. To be I, fair. I think re- go ahead, Zach. I was going to say Sato probably should have backed out of it. You know, like you're on the outside for the fountain corner. Huh. So, you know, probably should have backed out. But at the, at the same time, if he makes it on the outside of the fountain, he's on the inside for that little left-hand kink coming out of the fountain. So I'd it's hard have to, to go say, back and – I'd have to go back and look at it because I think Sato actually was ahead of Pagano, if I'm mistakenly correct. A little bit. Yeah, he had like a nose on him. So but they were pretty, you know, they were still side by side. Yeah, but if that's the case, like not one of them is ahead. It kind of leads up to that racing incident on who gets the corner. I mean, yeah, the yeah. normal racing line goes to Pagano, of course, because he's going to be on the inside. But if, if Sato's there, you know, almost Pagano normally gives it up because he's next to the wall. And you run the risk of going into the fountain like we saw Pagano do. So that's why there, I don't think there were any penalties given or anything 
going against Sato because I feel like it was a racing incident with both drivers going for the exact same spot at the exact same time. I agree. Uh, kind of interesting. There were a few times during the race where there were uh, side-by-side battles in two corners that were like reasonable passing areas that, you know, the guy on the outside was willing to tuck in to not be out on the gray. You know, he was willing to tuck in and make it single file through the corner. I find it interesting that those guys can make that work and that Sato and Pagano in one of probably aside from the hairpin, like probably the toughest corner to go side by side in on that track, they decided to, you know, one of them, neither of them yielded. But. Yeah. You bring up that point because every first thing that reminds me is the uh, Joseph Dugar and Alex Pillow almost in turn five incident when Newgarden just came out of pits on fresh new tires and Pillow was on hot uh, black tires and basically last lap like last minute maneuver tried to dart out to the inside and almost clipped the left re- the right rear of Newgarden and they basically went basically went side by side down the back straightaway uh, in a dead heat. Yeah, which uh, you know that was that was a pretty crazy battle in itself. I mean, I think we were really treated to a good race. Um, yeah, I mean, IndyCar's had some good races this year. St. Pete was a tight finish down to the end. Uh, you know, two cars going for it. McLaughlin and Pillow, Texas with Newgarden McLaughlin, and then this with uh, Pillow. Grosjean was there too. Um, Herta was there earlier in the race, and then Newgarden taking the win. So pretty epic, I think. Uh, pretty cool for uh, for IndyCar. I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, pull the reins. I don't think Pagano gets payback. Like if it's a situational thing where like elbows out, I'm gonna nudge this guy. Like yeah, but to me, I don't think of that as payback. I just think of it as like you know who you're racing. Yeah. So. That's what I'm going to say about that. All right, you guys. Before we continue on with the show, I really need to talk to you about something really, really important, and that is about Anchor. We have done a lot of podcasts as a group over the course of many years, and we find it very hard to distribute podcasts to different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you name it. Well, guess what? Anchor does it for you. It registers you as a podcast platform on all those sites, and... It's very simple to record a podcast. You can do it right from your phone or you could do it from your computer. So what are you guys waiting for? Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started and start creating your own podcast today. Uh, let's move on to Bozo of the Week. Jordan, I'm going to throw this one to you. All right, let's hear it. Bozo of the <laughs> this, Week. Who this, we got was this, an, week? this was an interesting one, but it was also... A mind f- one because at point <laughs> yeah. qualifying Q1 and it was between Aston Martin with Lance Stroll and the Williams of Nicholas Latifi. Latifi basically lets the Aston Martin of Lance Stroll go by in turn, I want to say five, the fast right-hander at Albert Park. And immediately the next corner, you see Lance Stroll just start to, he gets by and he nearly gets off the gas and kind of, you know, bails out of it. And then for some reason, Nicholas Latifi thought, all right, he's slowing up. I'm going to go past him again. And as he goes past him, Stroll comes to the inside to kind of go offline. And it comes a flying Latifi and basically clips his left rear wheel and basically sends him spinning, takes out the gearbox. And what, lo and behold, Nicholas Latifi has another big accident for like the third week in a row. So we've seen this, you know, we've seen this uh, in IndyCar before, I think trying to think uh, maybe it was like St. Pete. Was it Grosjean that rear-ended somebody? Grosjean rear-ended uh, Sato. Yeah, because they were all checking up to get, you know, to get their gaps for Q. 
I think that situation was a little bit more acceptable because everybody was trying to give room. They weren't actually mm-hmm. passing each other. This one is just completely stupid. Uh, so, you know, Latifi lets Stroll by, then Stroll checks up because I think he sees two cars back. Was it was it an Alpha Tauri? It was a Alfa Romeo behind Alfa uh, Romeo. Latifi. And that's why I feel like Latifi gassed it back up to get past Stroll is because he felt like the Alpha was going to get in front of him and compromise his lap, maybe. Yeah, which, you know, that begs the argument Stroll was uh, trying to let the Alpha by. But here's the thing. It's like, if you're going to yield to the Alpha, why would you pass Latifi? And Latifi, like, if, if you're going to yield for Stroll, why would you not yield for the Alpha? Yeah. So it, you just had two guys that did something completely stupid that just kind of, I don't know, it, it was just really dumb, completely unnecessary. Yeah. The thing is, is you don't yield for someone and then immediately pass them back. You don't normally yeah. do that. And especially in qualifying. Like, you get know. yourself a gap. Low key. Card. And, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, you can say, like, why would Stroll pass Latifi and then yield for, you know, like, it's just. Exactly. Or, sorry, what were you saying, Jeff? No, I was just going to say that IndyCar Loki had the same problem in uh, at Long Beach. Like, they would send everyone out. Well, not. I guess it happened in qualifying too, but it was mostly in practice. Um, but they were sending everyone out, and everyone was just backing up to get a good lap, get clean air. And it would just start an accordion effect. And there was – I think it was a practice, practice two. There was, like, multiple – super close calls where guys were almost just completely wrecking their cars um, last practice of the day, just trying to get one clean lap. And there was literally like 20 cars backed up on the back stretch, nose to tail. So I don't know. I don't really get why these guys, I mean, I get you have to get position. Jordan, you can probably touch on this because, you know, I've never touched a car in my life, but I don't get why they play such a close game of, of chicken shit with each other to get a clean lap and qualifying with that much risk on the line. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I understand the logic of backing up to get a clean lap and making space for yourself, but there's a time and place where you need to do it, and it's not in, like, the, especially at Long Beach, it's not down that back straightaway where everyone's queuing up for those the last right-hander, then the left-hander, and then the hairpin turn. Like, that's not the place to be queuing up. Because you're basically blocking the entire track in of itself because it's so tight. So, if anything, you need to find yourself a gap way in advance and then get yourself going, get your tires going, and go from there. Or IndyCar needs to take matters into its own hands and either needs to cut the practice in half and then split the groups up so that way everyone has clear track. Or, you know, I I wouldn't say a limited amount of cars on track because that could just hog up everyone's practice time but everyone just needs to do a better job of queuing up and being able to find gaps for themselves basically so in that case we'll go ahead and move on to our last topic of the show and that is everyone's favorite part predictions as we go into this next week of worth of racing which i believe it is only bristol at bristol dirt i feel like it's the only race we have. So, yeah. IMSA's, um, IMSA, IMSA's off, IndyCar's off, and uh, so is F1. Yeah. So, F, F1's next race, I believe, is uh, Imbola, I believe. So, 
they'll be that in two weeks. But uh, let's recap what happened last week. And everybody else did not get points besides Nate Markendaler, who got, I believe, Danny Ricardo gets points in his home race. So Nate's now up on the scoreboard for another point. So I'm currently leading the way with four points. Zach has one. Nate has now been upgraded to two points. Evan has one. And I believe Jed has two, along with the guests. So, boys. Predictions, one obscure pick, and race winner for Bristol Dirt. Evan, since you love dirt racing so much, I'm going to start with you. Uh, oh, shoot, man. Kyle Larson's going to kick everyone's ass. Um, so he's going <laughs> to win the Going to safe race. route with Larson. Okay, I like I like that. Yeah. That, that is a safe pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the only other person I'd pick other than Haley Deegan, so she's not racing. <laughs> um and then I think, uh, are they running windshields? Yes. I think they are. Yeah. Oh, they, I know you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Uh, I don't know how. Keep in mind, this is a night race this time, too. It is? Yeah. So there's gonna, oh, man. I think they're doing Bristol Dirt at night. So there's going to be like more moisture. five cautions because they can't uh, see. Going to be five cautions because they can't see. There's going to be there's going to be like four. I'm going to go with four cautions because they're going to have to come in and take uh, the visor strips off of the windshields. Keep in mind, you're going with four cautions. You have two cautions already given for stages. Okay, so six total. Okay. So six oh. cautions total. <laughs> okay, don't laugh at me like that, bro. <laughs> that is obscure, so that, that's fair. That's uh, it is. It yeah, is Nate, for the cooler. Nate's Nate's bogus safe bet with Daniel Ricardo would get points at his home. That's barely obscure. Yeah, he's shooting <laughs> He's not even here to defend um, himself either. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, exactly. And with that, I'll actually throw it over to Nate Margadale with this picks that he goes with back-to-back wins for Joey Logano at the Bristol Dirt, and a red flag will occur throughout the race. That's a dude. That's another like. That's another layup, dude. This there's gonna be this a red man flag. is trying the yeah. best way to get points. It's Bristol Dirt. That's like that's, that's, like, saying, that's like, another. They're probably gonna take the green flag. It's like, come on, man. Like what? Yeah, not like Nate's just uh, trying to finesse some points now. <laughs> yeah, this is that's what this is going to turn into. He's finesse. Your yeah. picks are going to turn into like, oh, well, there's going to be a there's going to be a stage yellow. You know, well, like, that's given points right there. Yeah. You know. All right, uh, Jordan, toss it to you. What's your pick? All right, I'm gonna go ahead. I kind of want to go obscure with the winner too and go out of the ordinary. Okay. Um. I'm gonna say Daniel Suarez wins for Trackhouse. Ooh, you know that's a good pick. They've been good. They've been running good lately, and Suarez I'm almost, almost I'm won a... that race last year. Yeah, I'm gonna say Daniel close. Suarez wins wins for Trackhouse um, like as my winner. And then for my obscured pick, I'm going to say NASCAR has to revert. The Fox has to revert to the trackside cameras because the overhead cameras it gets too fogged up and too dirt with the lights okay that's interesting so i'm gonna say it's getting too hazy inside the stadium that they have to revert to the uh 
trackside cameras. All right. I mm-hmm. like that. All right, Jed, throw it to you. Pick a winner and an obscure pick. What you got? As far as a winner, I mean, it's just – I feel like it's kind of going to be a toss-up. Um, honestly, I would have gone with Larson, but I don't know. Someone under the – I'm going to go with Chase Elliott because why not? He hasn't won yet this hey. year. All of his teammates have won, I think. Um, yeah. And then what is it? A random pick? Like just something random yeah. happened? I don't really know. I at first I was kind of siding with Evan that the track's gonna get all all dirty, because I remember last year we had dirt flying up in the air. But I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna get all dirty. No, no. Track's gonna get all dirty. I meant the. I meant the air. Last year the whole stadium flying up in the, the air. air got dirty. No, no. Here's what else. This is what I meant. I don't think, I, <laughs> dude. You guys gotta stop laughing. But I know. I, I miss. I misworded it. I misworded it. I, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired, guys. I right, hang in there. What oh, I meant was, that. the air will get dirty because I remember last year that happened, and they had the red flag race, water down the third. But I don't think that's gonna happen. I think NASCAR knows what they did wrong last year, and they're gonna prep the track correctly. So honestly, I don't. I think it's going to go smoothly. To be honest, I don't really have a random pick. Um, I guess I'll just say there's going to be a really bad wreck. I can be fine. So like maybe something like five five so cars like, plus. Yeah, something like that. A flip? No, no. Someone flipping. No one's going to flip. You don't have enough grip on the dirt. Um, I'm going to say like a tracks blocked off. Like it's a bad wreck. You know. I don't know. All right. It's a trap block. Parking lot. Parking lot, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that happens already at Bristol, even during the uh, uh, the regular layout with no dirt at all. So that's, that's not about to happen. Pick. I think they yeah. had one last year, too. Uh, they did. So, yeah, they had one. Do I need a new pick then? Or like... No, no. No, no it's good. okay. No, it's good. That's obscure. It's good. I'm not trying to cherry It doesn't pick, always no. happen. It doesn't have. I mean, it doesn't uh, have to be like so obscure. I mean, I was even thinking about going along the lines that NASCAR or Fox makes a comment that the track is in good shape, or something like that. It doesn't always happen. I, I would. That. For sure, for sure. I, you know, I think it'd be cherry picking for me to say that the Fox broadcast sucks because the production's terrible. But that's every week, so it's totally <laughs> cherry picking. Yeah, Mike Joyce. So, Mike Joyce, the only hope. Dude, Mike Joy carries Fox NASCAR. Carries. Clint Boyer His back's got to be bit. sore. Yeah, Clint Boyer too a little bit. But, man, those, those it's almost better off, like, just listening to Mike Joy talk and not I, even watch. I will say the fact that they've added Chad Knauss to the booth the last couple of weeks has brought a little bit of more insight and incentive to the broadcast. It's good having a crew chief up there, definitely. Yeah. I miss having Larry Mack up there, honestly. Yeah, me too. So, I guess it's my turn to pick. So, well, there's a few dirt racers still on the board. Uh, you know, let's go Chase Briscoe. Bowman. Chase Briscoe's Chase right. Briscoe's won a race already this year. He won at Phoenix. Uh, Chase Briscoe's one of those guys when he gets on a roll. Uh, there's was it Xfinity 20 like 2020? He won 9 races. When he gets on a roll, he's hard to beat. I get it. The Cup Series is a little different. It's a new car for everybody. 
Uh, car is completely different than what he ran in Xfinity, but uh, he's clearly talented. So dirt race, hard to count. Chase Briscoe out. Uh, for my obscure pick, I was originally going to do like a track-related issue, like whether it's be you know the track falls apart because it's too dusty, but considering it's at night, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it could be a moisture issue, but Evan already covered that. Man, what do I? Hmm. I want to say that we have twelve cautions. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna oh, be okay. very specific and obscure at the same time. I'm gonna say there are twelve cautions, so that does that does include the two stage yellows. So twelve cautions total. I think that's pretty fair. It's a little, it's a little high, my guy. It's, it's going pretty for high. Fest. Hey, but Martinsville, dude, Martinsville Xfinity was pretty bad. They almost, I think they almost broke a record for a uh, number of yellows. I think they came close. I don't know what the official count was, but I think last time I checked, the official count for yellows in a race is like 22. Yeah. So um, I'm just interested yeah. to see with this next gen car how they're if they're going to be shifting in the middle of the corners or if they're going to be shifting like they did at Martinsville, and especially well, on dirt too. Yeah, I mean, I would hope they take, like, because NASCAR does mandate the gear ratios. So I would think that they would want fourth gear to be low enough that they're not shifting. But you never know. But also, with this car being, like, on most tracks, typically kind of, like, aero-dependent, I wonder if it, the, the ride height's going to be too low and where it becomes an issue with cars digging into the track. kind of hope that's not a problem. Uh, does anybody yeah. know? Are they gonna have the splitter and the diffuser on well. the cars? What was that? Are they was running that... the diffuser? I have no idea. Are they running the the, the diffuser? I think so. Are yeah. That? I don't know. Yikes. Yeah, that might be a problem. I mean, not not for downforce, just you know, if it gets ripped off. <laughs> but, um. Yeah. Should be a fun yeah. weekend. Should be ex- uh, should be entertaining at least. Whether it's a good race or a bad race, so that should be fun, uh, fellas. It's been fun. It's been good. Uh, another banger. So thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you get notified when we post next. Also, if you're listening to us on all the major podcast platforms, make sure you hit that follow button. Um, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.